Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Your one-stop shop for all your unique Phantom Sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have. Go to InTheClutch.com and use promo code BellyUpMDFFSHOW for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BellyUpMDFFSHOW for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in during the NBA draft where Adam cannot find his seat, can't find his microphone, can't find anything. That's the kind of professional ability that we're bringing to you on the MD's Face Football Show. We're going to go ahead and uh, mute him for a second. Oh, he just disappeared entirely. (laughs) We're not on bellyup.tv tonight. Probably a good thing, seeing how this show just kicked off. We are on YouTube. And we are on social media at Show. two places that you should be following us anyway to be able to catch all of our content where we have clips, full episodes, anything coming your way. It's also the best way to comment in during the show when you follow us live here. We'll, we'll sprinkle you in as we're able to get to you, as long as we have the time to get to you, but we'll sprinkle you in. And if not, I'll make sure that we reply to you after the show 
is over. Chris, tonight we have the AFC South, which is why we brought Adam LaRue on. We'll introduce him in a second once he's able to go ahead and get situated. Because he's got, you know, we got the Colts fan there. But there's a lot of things to talk about in the AFC South. I know when you look at the division as a whole, you think to yourself, well, as far as fantasy football divisions go, it's not the best. But there are guys to keep your eyes out on. There's storylines. There's potential value, potential surprises. And at the very least, it's entertaining to see these teams kind of crap on each other. But before we get into all that, Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm doing a little better than Adam is. Um, I, I'm able to find all my equipment right now, and I'm still on. So I think that's a good start. Yeah, yeah I think it's really yeah. exciting. To, I think it's really exciting to talk about this. You know, this vision you talked about the AFC South. Definitely, divisions kind of has some weaker teams in it. But as we all know, fantasy teams, uh, fantasy, all you care about is you know some of the scoring is going to occur. So some of these bad teams are actually the gold mines that you can find fantasy value in. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be able to touch on some of those today. While we don't have Adam yet, we're still waiting for him to get on, let's talk about last week. Last week we had the NFC South episode. Uh, we, it was just the two of us then. And uh, well, let me let me introduce Adam because Adam finally just got situated and got in here. <laughs> Adam, how you doing? Are, are you all right? Did a tornado come through there, man? <laughs> no, I, uh, I went to move my microphone a little over, and then the cord fell behind the desk, and we had uh, <laughs> a bunch of chaos. But, yeah, excited to be on. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have you good to have you at the afc south i was just getting with chris last week we did the nfc south episode and of course rob gronkowski decided to shock the world by retiring wink wink retiring right now as it stands today so we have to go into week one with the assumption that there's no more rob gronkowski both chris and i were talking about him as a guy that we were still going to have inside of our top 10 tight ends heading into this draft obviously is no longer the case Cameron Brake is bumped up, presumably to being the starting tight end. Cade Otten, the rookie, right behind him. So, Chris, we'll talk a little bit quickly about what our value is for Cameron Brake, but do you think they'll look to make a move? I don't know if they're necessarily going to make a move because I think that the the kid they drafted is going to be someone they kind of liked and they're going to have a role for. So between him and Brake, I think you have kind of locked up. Maybe they add an extra veteran here or there. But I think you're going to probably roll out with what they have. What I think it benefits mostly is the receivers and who you're going to kind of see the food chains, particularly early in the season with Godwin being injured. And that Russell Gage, we talked about last week, is being somebody that should be on your radar. Yeah. Might be one of those guys who's going to be, you know, no uh, Captain Captain Obvious part where he might be a must starter week to week because he's probably the number two receiver right now in this offense. Well, so I have something that I've been waiting to say for tonight, and I'm not going to reveal who it is, but. I have some insider information from someone who is very close to a particular person that is well-planted within the Julio Jones camp. And apparently, from this person, what they're saying is that Tom Brady has been texting Julio Jones nonstop and to the point where Julio is actually looking at the potential of some housing options in Tampa Bay. So that's the insider information that I actually have come across my desk. I haven't seen that report anywhere. Not going to say who it was because of that. But there is some movement potentially. Maybe Tom Brady is recruiting Julio Jones, and we just don't know yet. Keep your eyes out. You heard it here first on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, though. Uh, with the Cameron Brady aspect of it, if he is the guy, well, then he's a sleeper tight end. I would put him in that tier of an Alberto, an Irv Smith, somewhere between that 13 to 16 tier with the potential of him getting inside that top 12. We know he's good in the red zone, but he is somebody who's shown – his athletic ability has been a little bit of a decline as of late. However, you're with Tom Brady. You're a tight end. Chris Godwin, we don't 
a lot of talk about him starting off with the pup. We talked about that last week. He's somebody you're going to have to keep your eye on in that sleeper tight end territory. He becomes that perfect guy of you just want to punt the position and take him late. You can. So I just want to kind of revise that because we talked about that just last week. So make sure you guys were keeping you up to date there. Real quick, Dan, real quick, Dan while we have you know, Adam here in our dynasty guide, Adam, does that make somebody um, you know more appealing, particularly the tight end, Kate Otten, as somebody you should try to reach for now in dynasty, knowing kind of this more a clear path for him, even possibly this season? Yeah, I mean, he was already someone that uh, in leagues with longer dynasty drafts, so like a five-round dynasty draft, I was taking in my fifth uh, a decent bit um, and stashing him on a taxi. Uh, This just makes him uh, debatable, especially if you're weak at the tight end position to actually keep that roster spot rather than getting stashed because he might, um, he he absolutely has the potential to go in there and be be someone playing this year. Um, You don't want to rely on a rookie tight end, but could he be your third string, fourth string tight end in a deep, deep league? Absolutely. Um, And he's someone to keep your eye on regardless. All right. I like it. And yeah, for sure. Definitely like Kate Otten, Dynasty Leagues down the road moving forward, liked his talent skill set. All right, guys, we got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Lock them in. It's a lock. We're starting off the quarterbacks, and we're locking them in, and we're locking them in right off the top. Davis Mills. (laughs) (laughs) With Ryan Tannehill. So right now, Ryan Tannehill is being drafted as a QB 23. I have him my QB 15. To be honest... I feel like I'm too low on him. Ryan Tannehill, since joining the Tennessee Titans, has not finished less than a QB 12. And that goes back to when he had that first half run uh, with the Titans when he first joined him. He was actually a QB 7 when he first joined him, and he's been in the top 12 ever since. Why are people sleeping so much on Ryan Tannehill this season? It can't just because A.J. Brown's gone. A.J. Brown missed a boatload of games, and Ryan Tannehill was still fine. He rushes for seven touchdowns a year, except for last year. He rushed for four. Still finishes a QB 12, by the way. Robert Woods is going to be 100% healthy from what we understand. We'll talk about him and Traylon Burks a little bit later on the show. But as long as Derrick Henry is there, as long as Ryan Tannehill is a factor in the red zone, why are people so low in a Ryan Tannehill, Adam? Oh, I, I think it's a good question. I mean... He was underwhelming last year at times, and I think people are a little concerned. But to your point, I think it's an over-concern. He is someone who in this system has been incredibly efficient. Now, is Downing as good? No. Uh, Is uh, Burks year one going to be as good? No. But uh, is he QB 19? Also, no. He's definitely better than that. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I think it's a little tough. I think Ryan Tannehill is one of those guys that's not necessarily sexy, so you don't see him rush for a bunch of yards. You're not seeing him rush for a bunch of touchdowns. You're talking about the seven touchdowns he had been averaging. But last year you saw a decline. You also, a lot of people have that, what have you done for me lately, and that last kind of memories in their mind for the you know, last seasons. Ryan Tannehill ended that you know that playoff run horribly, and everybody kind of realizes they drafted a quarterback in the you know, third round. Maybe his days are numbered. You saw A.J. Brown get traded. You see Tennessee kind of unloading contracts. So I think people were maybe looking at the round, what's going on around him, maybe punishing him fantasy wise as a result of that. Um, and for myself, I think I like your, I think you hit a good sweet spot. I think 15 is probably where I'd have him. I wouldn't necessarily reach higher. A lot of guys this year that they kind of are positions that they're put into. So we start looking at the guys that you look at that are available and some of these new quarterbacks, different situations. He probably would probably be in the top 15, top 20. Uh, but it's definitely a guy that you could probably have on your roster as a second quarterback. And, you know, definitely a streamer option for a lot of good matchups, particularly this division. He is perfect QB2. 
He's he Ryan Tannehill's that guy that we talk about punting the tight end. If you're like me, and sometimes I just like to punt the quarterback position, that's the guy that you can draft the last round and know that you got a guy who's going to compete for QB one spot week in and week out just because of what he brings to the rushing table. But the rest of the quarterbacks are a little questionable. Look out for. Look out for Trevor Lawrence. Look out for Matt Ryan. For now, again, the look out for a segment that could be it could be a good thing or it would be a bad thing. It could be red flags or a sleeper. Trevor Lawrence, right now, QB nineteen ADP. My QB seventeen. I'm a little bit higher than the ADP for the simple fact of towards the end of the season we started to see Trevor Lawrence run a little bit more, use his legs a little bit more. I don't know what took him so long because he was running for his life behind that line of scrimmage up until that point. But if he does that more going into this season, that will help out his fantasy floor. It can't be any worse than it was with Urban Meyer last season. I'm not a huge fan of Doug Peterson, but he is better than Urban Meyer. I will at least give him that he has a Super Bowl ring. I think the offense will run a little bit more competently. But is there any other ceiling, Adam, for Trevor Lawrence? No, he, he's not someone that I, I by any means think is going to jump up to QB1 status or even the, the, the high-end QB2. But he is someone I think could be probably in the high teen, teens around where you have him. Um, I, I mean, to your point, he finished QB23 with Urban and with a, a bunch of bums around him. He has slightly better bums around him this year. So that's got to mean something, right? Uh, at least up a little bit and obviously another year in the league. Uh, at least his new um, not-so-great players are mature, and his new coach is mature. So that'll be something. Well, Adam, you know, isn't that, Chris, isn't that the actual problem? Did the situation around him actually get any better, even though they spent money? I mean, you have to say yes in some degree. You had you added a sheriff, I mean, an actual legit guard. Um, you added some places. Now, I'm not a big fan of the Christian Kirk contract, so let's not get that twisted in any kind of shape, way, or form. But Christian Kirk's not a bad receiver compared to, the, uh, say, uh, Jamal Agnew or Tavon Austin, who was playing you know parts of the season last year. So I definitely think they have upgraded somewhat. But where I am going to kind of be curious is, is what does Doug Peterson have left? I mean, he's kind of riding off the coattails of what Carson Wentz did in that Super Bowl run. But we've seen a different coach move on, and Frank Reich, we're going to talk about a little bit in the Colts team. So once he moved on, Carson Wentz seemed to kind of go down the tank. We never saw him kind of regain that touch, and we never really seen that Eagles offense regain that touch. So I have some questions what is necessarily going to unfold here. Is Doug Peterson really going to untrack Trevor Lawrence? And overall, I think that all of us got to agree that this is definitely disappointing for a guy who was, you know, billed as one of the top quarterbacks ever coming out in the last, you know, for a while, long time. And going into year two, we're like, fantasy-wise, uh, hopefully you're like a QB two. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for... Look out for Matt Ryan. This will be up Adam's alley, but there's a couple of things going on. There's some people out there, apparently there's Matt Ryan truthers out there, who are trying to point out that until last season, this has been a guy who's been hovering around that low-end QB1 territory for most of his career. I don't, I don't have him there. The ADP right now has him at QB 20. I'm actually a little bit lower. I have him at QB 21. To me, Matt Ryan is, it's not about his fantasy value. It's about what he can do for everybody else around him is more so the question. And the question I have for you, Adam, this will be, this, I can't wait for the answer. Is he really an improvement over Carson Wentz? Now his completion percentage is higher, 67 to Wentz is 62, but Wentz, 
threw the ball downfield more and completed more of the time. And that's something the Colts were lacking last season. They drafted Alec Pierce to hopefully address that issue. But I mean, is Matt Ryan just glorified Phillip Rivers? Is he better than Carson Wentz? Um, I think on a week-to-week basis, yes, but I think your peaks are going to be lower. I think ultimately you're probably looking at about the same finish, uh, probably a little bit lower in the finish. I would put him probably in the high teens. Uh, Wentz was about 14. Obviously, you're not going to get any running out of Matt Ryan, so you have to knock him a little bit there. But to me, I, I think the passing totals will probably be pretty similar by the end of the season, but you won't see games like the Ravens game where Wentz just pops off for 400 yards. I don't think you'll ever see that out of Matt Ryan, but you also won't see the Patriots game where you're completing 40% of the pa- your passes. I, I think you're going to get a consistent. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. QB2, the entire season. <laughs> here's here's one thing I find interesting, and, and these are for the people out there who are talking about will Michael Pittman and really anybody in the receiving court get more involved in the red zone because they just handed the ball off to Jonathan Taylor last year. I don't think that's going to change, guys. Matt Ryan has been terrible in the red zone. 21st in red zone completion percentage. That was worse than Carson Wentz last season. So the red zone opportunities might not be there for Michael Pittman like you're hoping for. Yeah, look, Matt Ryan, all he is there to do is to get everybody else better. But I think his days of being a fantasy-relevant quarterback are over. He probably won't even be on my stream list most weeks. Chris, I'm gonna get to, I want to get to you and your favorite guy to lead us off with this one. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Davis Mills. Don't buy into the hype. I mean, not that there was any hype, but there was some people out there talking about like, well, he had a decent little run here and there last season. I mean, maybe he could be something. I don't know. Chris, what do you think about Davis Mills? Okay, so he did put up better numbers than a lot of rookie quarterbacks did last year, including Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. And having said all that, Davis Mills is a complete bum. Not a guy you should own in fantasy, not a guy you should be in the football field, not a guy that's going to win you any games in fantasy or off the you know, on the field, like I said. Um, I don't like what he's going to bring to the table. I don't think he uses his legs. I don't like the weapons they have in place. This offense, I think, way overachieved in the passing attack last year. And I think when you look overall, what they kind of done in this offseason, they haven't done a whole lot to upgrade. There's some some you know some improvements, but I don't like the you know necessarily Pep Hamilton taking over as the offensive coordinator, thinking that's going to necessarily improve what they did. I thought they were pretty efficient with what they had last year, particularly with Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator. So I have some questions if Davis Mills is going to have any upside, and I wouldn't be shocked if by maybe week six or seven we realize that this is not the answer in Houston. Uh, yeah, here's the one thing that I'm surprised by more so than anything else heading into this year. There's no quarterback competition for him. Really? You didn't bring in anybody to compete with this guy. You're really just going to give him this entire season to just run with it. That's it's just, it's just pathetic in my book. So I just want to move on right away. But they hired, they hired, they hired a perfect coach for that kind of situation. Cause if you look at Lovey Smith and what he did when he was in Chicago and also what he did in Tampa Bay, 
They rode some horrible yes, quarterbacks. A long line of crappy quarterbacks. And he will just keep riding them no matter what without competition. Let's talk about something good. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, we love Jonathan Taylor. That shouldn't be a question. He's the consensus RB1 overall. He's the ADP RB1 overall. And as of right now, Chris and I did talk about Chris McCaffrey last week. But as of right now, he is my RB1 overall at the moment, too. So really, there's only two questions when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, Adam. Can he repeat his production? Are we worried that Naeem Hines will get back to being more involved, especially in the passing game, where they kind of got away from him a little bit last year, been talking him up quite a bit ever since the combine throughout spring, that they want to get him back involved, which I think does hold some credence when you add in the fact that they suddenly stopped using him after they gave him a contract extension. So what do you think about that with Jonathan Taylor? I mean, I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think that Naeem Hines will probably get used a little bit more. However, it's not like they were throwing the ball to Jonathan Taylor last year in the first place. I don't think that changes that that much. If anything, I would look for Jonathan Taylor to also get more uh, receiving work out of the backfield. I think that that's going to be something that Matt Ryan does a lot more than Wentz. I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, Wentz was looking downfield a lot more than I think you'll you'll see from Matt Ryan. Well, here's what I want to point out: 2020. Now, I, I, 2020 was, you know, a different kind of year, but 66% to 34% in favor of Hines' target share. Last year, 53% to 47%. I mean, I, I think it was the total was Naeem Hines had 57 targets to Jonathan Taylor's 51. It was pretty close. It wasn't that they weren't throwing the ball to Jonathan Taylor, at least relative to Naeem yeah. Hines last season. Yeah, I mean, he was getting the ball thrown to him. It just, I mean, the whole share of targets to running backs was especially given it's yes. not like there were receivers on the outside to throw to like <laughs> there just weren't throws there. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you think, Chris? You think there's going to be a problem? Do you think we have to watch out for this? If you're going to draft Jonathan Taylor, number one overall? No, I don't think it really impacts him too much. I think that, you know, as Adam kind of alluded to, I don't think that Jonathan Taylor is necessarily a primary target that they're looking to get the ball to and then out of the passing attack as it was. Now you're right about the percentages kind of shifting and there was a more of an, a effort, I think, to get Jonathan Taylor actually throwing the ball sometimes where it wasn't so obvious who we're going to throw the ball to. And I think that's some play calling. I mean, it just gets smarter when people start scouting themselves, realizing your personnel is going to kind of give you away. Um, but having said that, I'd be a little bit worried that uh, I think it doesn't really change him. I think I think you can see Naheem Hines have more production, but not Jonathan Taylor necessarily how to dip because I think, as Adam's alluded to, Matt Ryan's could probably check the ball down a lot more and you're going to see more loads of three to fourth yard throws. You're probably going to see longer drives. So therefore, you're probably going to have an opportunity for Naheem Hines to kind of get his possessions, catches, but you're going to see Jonathan Taylor still get his, you know, his touches as well. During my research, the biggest thing that came out to me as to why there was a shift to a close to 50-50 split between these two was that Jonathan Taylor was getting targeted more so on third downs in neutral game scripts, you know, during the flow of the game. In two-minute drill, it was still the Naeem Hines show. When they had to come back from behind, it was still the Naeem Hines show. 85 to 15% splits as far as that situation. So they did go to Naeem Hines when they knew they were throwing the football. The question will be, do they get back to getting to him more in third and longs during neutral game script situations? I think that'll be more of the question heading forward. Regardless, though, Jonathan Taylor's a very special player. He's a great runner. He's going to get plenty of touchdown opportunities. And even if he can hang around the 40 to 45 target mark that'll be enough for what he gives you on the ground with what should be 
a better offensive line because let's face it, they underachieved last season to be able to maintain his elite RB1 status, if not being able to repeat as the RB1 overall again this season, ultimately speaking. Let's go to our next guy. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, we love Derrick Henry, right? No one's souring on him just because he missed a few games last year. The guy's a tank. The guy's awesome. He's a freak. There's there's not enough adjectives to describe Derrick Henry. RB4 at ADP, I'm actually a little bit higher. Got him in my RB3 because why not? This is a guy that no matter what is going to get carries. It doesn't matter if they're behind. It doesn't matter if it's a two-minute drill. We, we saw games last year where the Titans were behind by three touchdowns in the second half, and Derrick Henry was still getting carries. So whenever people bring up the argument about Derrick Henry of, is he going to get more involved target-wise, or I don't trust him because he doesn't get enough targets, who cares? Because when you're getting 25 carries, no matter what the game script is, it doesn't matter, and especially when you're Derrick Henry. But will he get his workload cut back because Tennessee is now maybe a little bit more concerned about him staying healthy, Adam? No, I don't think so. If anything, uh, just gauging by how Tennessee is acting, it, for whatever reason, and I don't necessarily think it's a smart decision, but they seem to be building for way off at some other time. Uh, so if anything, I, I don't know how concerned they'd be because I don't know if Derrick Henry is going to be the guy there anyways. I, I, I think that you know they can kind of run him the next year or two shift into whatever they're trying to shift into, whether that's, uh, you know, their new quarterback or what what have you. I, I just don't know if he's necessarily as a big of a part of their long-term plans as he, he once was. Uh, so I don't know how concerned they're going to be. I, I do have a little bit of concerns about his efficiency coming up, but I think the volume is going to be there. Chris, you have any concerns? I have a little concern with the efficiency Adam kind of alluded to. Their offensive line has definitely gotten worse over the last few years and continues to plummet down the road. Um, but having said that, I'm with you know, Adam and it's also with the Derrick Henry can basically be have their hand. I mean, Tennessee can basically cut, you know wash their hands for Derrick Henry's contract after this year. So they have no reason to try to conserve him or make sure he doesn't get hurt. Maybe they get cute for the first two games, three games where you're trying to like show something, you're getting the guy adjusted, whatever. But I think for the most part, I think we all know that this guy's going to probably be used up and thrown away, and like they do most running backs. And then on top of it, you have Ty Downing, who has no creativity in his bones. He's going to continue to, as you pointed out, no matter what the score is, they're going to get Barry Henry the ball because he has no other thing to do. He has no other thing to do. And then add the fact that there's nobody in that competition in that backfield to steal any touches from him. They brought in Haskin. They continue to bring in bum after bum after bum to kind of steal his carries or you know be a pass catcher. I know Hilliard's going to be probably be the second guy. Had a little spurt last year. Had some efficiency in their passing attack, but he's nobody special. So I think Derrick Henry is definitely going to be the guy. Lock him in. It's a lock. Adam, Adam, this is going to be a tough one for you, buddy. I'm locking in Travis Etienne. I am. I am locking him in. I've heard you about James Robinson. I've wanted to be on your side, but the more I hear about where he's at in his injury the more conflicting things seem to come out. They don't expect him to be there ready for training camp. Now, there's some reports saying they think he'll be there at some point during training camp to get first cleared. But we know it's going to take him a little bit while to get up to snuff as far as conditioning. Not to mention it's an Achilles injury. He's got to prove that he can get back to his explosive side. Travis Etienne's already there. Travis Etienne's already working out. Travis Etienne is already healthy. 
Right now, his ADP is at RB23. I also have him ranked at RB23. I'm right in line with the ADP, and I am locking him in as an RB2 because I don't think James Robinson is going to be good to go to start the year, and I highly question because this is a new coaching staff how much pressure are they going to feel to get him involved at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be tough, especially with the early season. And if ETN is able to pop off early, um, then obviously all, all bets are off. Uh, I think long term, I think I still am going to live on the, the James Robinson train. But as far as with that value, at RB23, I'm not really going to fight you over ETN, especially because of what he brings to the, the field as a as a receiver. I mean, that adds value. Good, Chris. You had your hand up. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think definitely the flex option, he definitely has that appeal to you. But I will say, I'm not necessarily worried about James Robinson. I'm worried about this coaching staff. Look at their history. Look how they use running backs. Look how many guys they find to rotate. And Wendell Smallwood is in the NFL. Why? <laughs> Ryan Clement is in the NFL. Why? Look at some of these guys. Boston Scott. Name all these guys that Josh Adams. Time. Yeah, look for all these guys who played for the Eagles. And nor look at you had you had um different guys who can get the ball. They had Jordan Howard. They were using the guy that drafted I can't draw us not Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders. So you had different guys they were utilizing in Philadelphia, but they kept trying to third, fourth guy that always kind of rotated in there. I worry ETN's going to get enough touches in his offense that I question is going to score enough points as it is for him to actually be somebody that kind of lock in your lineup every week. But I do agree as a flex option does bring a lot of appeal because you're going to probably see the passing opportunities there for him. Look, I'm not worried about the volume for for a couple of reasons. One, I know he's going to be the pass catching down back. That's that's without a question. And then number two, you have a, a situation here where there's not a lot of talent behind him, and he's got a first round draft capital, and it is by the GM who's still there. There's going to be an emphasis to utilize Travis Etienne, especially as a home run threat. If James Robinson can't get back, then it it's all all trails blazing for Travis Etienne, and as far as what. All it's going to be a question at that point is how much can he handle? And Robinson, since he's part of this conversation anyway, uh, I don't know what everyone's smoking. His ADP right now is at RB41. I have an RB63. There's absolutely no reason to be drafting James Robinson at all, but definitely not to be drafting him as an RB4 right now until we get some more clarity on that injury. And even then, like I said, it's coming back from an Achilles injury that he's not expected to be able to start camp with. He got it back in December. It usually takes at least 11 to 13 months. Not everyone's cam makers, guys. Not everyone's cam makers. It usually takes 11 to 13 months to actually heal. I'd be shocked, shocked, if he did not start the season on the pup list. So don't start thinking that James Robinson is going to be able to make a quick and early comeback. Does anybody disagree with that? Not on quick and early, no. Okay. Well, then we can move on to our next section then. If I can ever find the sound. Look out for... Look out for Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack right now, his ADP is at RB60. My rank is at RB39. I do think he's going to get the first crack to be the lead back of Houston. And what did we see last year? Well, Houston knows they don't have a good offense. And while it's a different coaching staff, kind of. Remember, last year, Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton were assistants on the same roster on the same team i don't know how much is going to change from last year to be frankly honest with you damian pierce wasn't a huge fan i think he can handle a workload i think he's kind of a guy who can just fall into the end zone fall over for a first down 
that's about it. That's all I have my hopes on. Marlon Mack, if he can get back to his 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 form in 2019, when he went over a thousand yards and he has some explosive ability, and now he's a year removed from that Achilles injury, has a better chance of doing so. He could actually be effective, effective enough where I think he should be in your flex conversation as a high end RB four. What do you think about Marlon Mack, Adam? Um, yeah, I, I think Marlon Mack's an interesting one because we didn't really see him much last year. Uh, so it's kind of hard to gauge where he's at post injury. Um, that being said, I do agree. I think he would be my betting favorite as to who's going to lead that backfield. Uh, I, I liked Damian Pierce coming out, but realistically, given what we saw out of Houston last year, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. How much different could he possibly be from Mark Ingram? Like, realistically speaking. And what we saw with Mark Ingram was, sure, there was some volume there. But if you're averaging three yards per carry because this offense is just has not much talent, <laughs> I, I don't really know what you can, uh, you can do with that. So you have to get the guy that they're going to use on the outside, use a bit in a receiving way. And if it's going to be anyone that's going to get both rushing volume and receiving volume, it's going to be him. There's nobody else that can do both. Chris, let me form the question to you this way. By the end of the season, blank will be the starting running back of the Houston Texans. Can I go Rex Burkhead? <laughs> you can. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, who knows? Cause that's who thought that would have been the answer for the end of this past season. I think it's going to wind up probably being the younger guy towards the end of the season. However, I do think Marlon Mack is the guy to kind of have your eyes on. I like his opportunity. And Lovey Smith is quite loyal when the guy gets a chance for him. him. If you kind of get that starting position, it's hard for you to get kind of taken out of that lineup. Pepe Hamilton, does, I, I believe, was on the coaching staff that had Marlon Mack um, with the Colts at one point when he was serving as a, an assistant coordinator for the Colts. So I think he's got a little familiarity with working with Marlon Mack in his first year there. So hopefully those kind of things tie together. Marlon Mack gets a shot. I was looking for this guy to get a kind of opportunity. I was you know, hopeful that he was going to get a different um, you know, revitalization of his career. I think this could be it. Now, the offense in general is going to be kind of lacking, but they are improved from last year. Rex Burkhead did have some you know, uh, somewhat production, I guess you could call it, towards the end of the season. So I think there could be – you know, some value in his backfield. But Pierce, real quick, is not a guy that I'm high on as well. Ultimately, I'm not really super keen on having anybody on the Houston Texans, not named Brandon Cooks. But Marlon Mack, again, especially at the start of the season, somebody I kind of want to keep our eyes on. Just to run through real quick, Hassan Haskins, 
I expect him to be the handcuff to Derrick Henry. Dontrell Hiller will probably get more playing time while Henry is healthy because he'll probably get worked in as a third down back. But make no mistake, when Henry gets injured, I do expect to be Hassan Haskins to kind of step in there for that role. Keep in mind Rex Burkhead. Keep in mind Dontrell Hiller, like we mentioned. Those are the guys backing up some of these ones that we've talked about. We got to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, it'll be time to hit on the wide receivers and the tight ends. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Sweaty Sack Summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that manscape on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin-safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with game-changing boxers. These boxer features include the Jewel Pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, lined with perforated performance fabric, and keep them well-ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. One more time. That's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to get 20% off and free shipping. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome in, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on YouTube and on social media at Show. And thank you for tuning in if you're instead of watching the NBA draft. I mean, I we have to really appreciate that. If you guys are actually watching fantasy football instead of that, it's awesome. That's what our show is here for. I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dauhauer, our special guest of the evening, Mr. Adam LaRue of Belly Up Fantasy with Chris on Tuesday nights. If you guys missed it, they had a great episode this past week with Bob Lung and Chase Vernon of Trophy Smack. Great. It was a great show, guys. I really enjoyed it. Anything, anything you guys want to go over, what you went over in that episode real quick or anything you want to plug? Yeah, no, it was uh, super, super fun. Um, it was fun talking with with Bob Long about his con- how he values consistency and all of that fun stuff. Fun to talk about uh, the Belly Up Bowl and uh, the Fantasy Football Expo, which obviously the three of us will be at. So make sure you come check us out there if you happen to be going as well. Yeah, Canton, Ohio, August twelfth through the fourteenth. A lot of a lot of stuff going on throughout that entire weekend. We're we're really looking forward to be able to network with a lot of people. All right, so we're talking about the AFC South breaking down the team profiles. Chris, this actually puts us at about the halfway mark as far as the teams that we've covered so far. So let's dive into these wide receivers and into these tight ends with our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. Lock in Michael Pittman. There's not really much else to say about it. Do I think he has the highest ceiling in the world? Not particularly. 
but is he a bona fide call a day money in the bank wide receiver two high and wide receiver two of that yeah 100 think that his adp right now sitting at wide receiver 16 i'm a little bit higher i got him at wide receiver 14 and that's just due to the fact that I think Matt Ryan will be able to actually get him the ball even more often than Carson Wentz was. His touchdown percentage should go up a little bit based on those targets. It can't be as future as it was. At least I can't imagine it be as future as it was. And the addition, I believe, of Alec Pierce, somebody who on the other side can legitimately open up the defense, might give him a little more leeway. But Adam, he's your boy. What are you looking for out of Michael Pittman this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think what you said at the end there is really important because he was getting used, and not that he can't be a deep threat, but he was getting used as a deep threat a bit more than you would really want for his skill set uh, last year just because every year we have this guy named Paris Campbell who was drafted for that role for crossing routes and to be a deep threat, and every year by week four he's done. Um, so Alec Pierce offering another option that can uh, service that that part of the field, that can actually extend to the field, um, I, I think opens up a lot for the volume uh, that Michael Pittman gets to increase just because he, you know, he's going to be running a lot more of the higher percentage routes. Lock him in. It's a lock. Chris, we're locking in Brandon Cooks. After everything that we went through last year, Tyrod, the Davis Mills, to the putridness of the offensive play callings, just everything. He still finished as wide receiver 20. Right now, his ADP's got him at wide receiver 24. I have him at wide receiver 18 heading into this season. And it's a simple fact of this. Everyone's getting swept up in this, in this John Mechie talk. And it's like people have amnesia or something. He got his ACL blown <laughs> at the end of the year last year. Not only do I expect him to start on the pop list, why are they going to rush him back? They're not going to be in a position to make the playoffs. So if it's Nico Collins again, and Davis Mills, who's towards the end of the season, showed a lot of rapport with Brandon Cooks, and that'll actually kick off the year this time around, why, at the very least, won't the targets maintain for Brandon Cooks to keep him as more of a mid-level wide receiver two rather than a back-end wide receiver two? What do you think? Well, first, I enjoyed hearing Brandon Cooks being in the top 20 last year because we had a, quite a conversation on this show and some other shows talking about we Brandon did. Cooks last year. We did. Um, <laughs> and somebody was I, I sure, will say, you sure right. he was not going to finish. No, thank you. Hold thank on. You, 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 you were right. But before but, the season started, I did move him up. I did have yeah. him I did him as a high-end wide receiver. Th- still have him as a wide receiver, too. But I did move him up to a high-end wide receiver three. You were right. I was still right on Kenny Galladay, by the way, but you were, you were right on Brandon and Cooks. Not, not a chance in the world that he would finish in top 40, I was heard. But anyway, um, <laughs> what I would like to uh, think that you're right, I think you know, Brandon Cooks is being forgotten about, not just because of Mechie. Now, I will kind of correct you a little bit. Mechie got hurt towards more the middle season for Alabama. Jameson Williams has a chance to he got hurt in the playoff come. game. Mechie got hurt before that. because He got, got hurt, hurt in the playoff game. It was the first play of the playoff game is when he got hurt. The first playoff game. Back I in December. It. That's when Mechie got hurt. I thought he got hurt before Jameson Williams did, but maybe I'm correct. He did. He did. Jameson Williams got hurt in the national championship game. John Mechie got hurt in the first playoff game, which was in December. The national championship game. Okay. Was okay. 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 Yeah. So yeah, I forgot. I forgot how they kind of spread yeah. it out at the end of that season last year. Um. So yes. So anyway, I think Mechie has a chance to kind of play. I do think he's going to have a role once he becomes a slot receiver, which we all kind of all agree that tends to be kind of peppered with targets, particularly on bad offenses. Having said that, Brandon Cooks was obviously and still clearly is the most talented player on offense. Signed an extension to stay there. 
um, is kind of trying to be the, the role model in a sense of the guy who to kind of be the Houston Texans, you know, why to be the, that fran- going to that franchise moving forward. They have every reason in the, w- the world to kind of feature him. I think he's going to definitely finish in the, probably in the top 20. He'll definitely be game plan to get the ball week in, week out. So while much he could still improve, I think his offense can't be any worse than it was in a lot of senses last year. So I think Brandon Cooks will still be you know, fed and have some of the other receivers do something because last year the receivers did nothing. Are you sure they can't be worse? <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's going to be kind of close. But Brandon Cooks, I mean, how many times this guy got to get traded? I mean, he's, he's just good everywhere he goes, no matter what the situation is, no matter who the quarterback is. My hat's off to Brandon Cooks, and I'll be rooting for him again this year. Does he have the upside ceiling that gets you super excited? No, he doesn't, unfortunately, because of that offense. But you know you have a wide receiver, too, at the end of the day. Look out for... I'm going to lump these next two guys into the same conversation. I'm on the lookout for the Tennessee Titan wide receivers. And this goes back to why I'm higher than ADP with Ryan Tannehill. Everyone's sleeping on the wide receivers. Everyone's sleeping on the Titans offense. You guys do realize that what they had in the playoffs, they were very banged up. That's not exactly what Tennessee usually is, right? I'm just, I'm just hoping people realize that because right now, Jalen Burks, his ADP is at wide receiver 45. Robert Woods is at wide receiver 39. I have Traylon Burks ranked at wide receiver 32 and Woods at wide receiver 37. Although I do have to say I'm going to be doing a big ranking update within the next month or so. Robert Woods is going to be a lot closer, if not possibly ahead of Burks. But either way, I have both of these guys as good wide receiver threes with some upside, especially in Burks's case, who I think will be more of the red zone threat. I'm not overly concerned about the asthma. You know who else had asthma? Emmett Smith. Like these are Hall, Hall of Fame players have had asthma before. You can get it figured out. You can get it worked out. I'm not concerned about that. Are you concerned at all, Adam? Or what's your outlook for a trail on Burks for a Robert Woods? Are you with me? Or are you with the ADP? Um, I don't know. I I feel like I've seen the Burks skill set work here, um, before, and I I'm a little bit curious to see how with what they've been running the last few years, Woods is kind of kind of figure into this. I think that realistically year one he probably should be the better receiver uh and i want to go in that direction but i i've my eyes have seen the Traylon burke skill set function well in this offense before um so i i don't know i'm kind of hesitant here to be honest with you i think it's very close what about you chris so I love Traylon Burks, and I thought I was going to really jump all over him going into this year. I am a little bit worried about the offseason, not necessarily with the asthma, just the fact that he's kind of falling behind in some of the camp things. He's not getting many practices. He's not getting many reps as some of the other guys are. And Robert Woods, to me, is, from what I understand, you know, is looking good. And I go back to Ryan Tannehill in, in Miami, and one of his favorite targets was Jarvis Landry. And I think Robert Woods is going to fit him to a T. I think Todd Dowling's very conservative as his nature. I think he's going to be able to get those shorter receiving, shorter receivers the ball. And I will have some question whether both of them eat this year in the Tennessee offense in general because I didn't see any receiver explode last year for Tennessee. Now, I know there's injuries people want to talk point to, but having well, said that, injuries nobody – really crappy receivers. But behind, there was behind those nobody guys. did anything. And I, I understand that, but we never saw a big, huge stretch for Julio or, or A.J., or any of the receivers. So I have to kind of go off the assumption that Tannehill can kind of get the offense, but I haven't seen that outside of Arthur Smith. So I'm not ready to make that jump. I think where Chandler Burks is going is probably a fair, maybe a little bit higher 
but I would probably think Robert Woods definitely going into the season as a higher guy because I think he has a safer floor. And I think he's going to – this guy was you know, a top 20 for the first six seasons, first six weeks uh, um, for the Rams last year. So he isn't chopped liver out there. Well, and he- here's why I said that when I do my update, I may not only be moving them closer but possibly flipping Burks and Woods as far as who's in front of whom. And that's because with Woods, he has the veteran presence. You have two receivers – that are brand new to the quarterback, brand new to the system. Usually speaking, especially with one of them being a rookie and one of them being the veteran, the two vets are going to get on the same page a hell of a lot faster. And I think we're already starting to see that. And because we're seeing that Robert Woods is looking like he's going to be back and healthy to start a training camp and back and ready to go by week one, it gives me all that much more confidence that he may start off the year Clearly, it's number one. Now, I think when the year moves on, we might see Chillin Burke start to really show what he can do and his talent and everything like that. And I go back. Now, Chris, you pointed out you haven't seen since Arthur Smith, and that's fair. But we did see Corey Davis and A.J. Brown both be top 30 receivers, even in this run-first offense. Can that be done with Todd Downing? I don't disagree with you. That remains to be seen. But I think that is a possibility in this situation with the Traylon Burks, with the Robert Woods. Either way, I think they're both values as of this moment. Let's let's talk about another guy that we might have a slightly different tone on. Look out for. Looking out for Christian Kirk. Now, I will say this. I'm higher than the ADP. ADP right now is wide receiver 46. I got him at wide receiver 39. It's really just because, look, they, they're paying him $20 million this year. They have to feature him. He has to give volume. Last time I checked, Jacksonville was still a really terrible team. It's going to have to throw the ball a lot, especially in the second half of games. So just based on volume... Kirk has to be looked at, in my opinion, as a high-end wide receiver four. But what do you think, Adam? Yeah, I actually think there's, there's an intriguing amount of upside with him in this offense. Uh, I, I think people are kind of knee-jerking because of how bad the move was for the team. That right. it, They don't want to pick him. They don't want to like him. But I think the reality is, is that as Chris has mentioned, and it's one of his biggest talking points, and I agree with it, He is going to be a slot receiver. He is a veteran slot receiver. He has had a lot of success as a slot receiver, and he is getting paid a ton of money. He is definitely the best receiver that they have. He's going to get volume. He's going to get, like, a lot of volume uh, on high percentage passes, like short. Uh, I don't know. I think volume dependent, he could be very, very good. Chris, give me your take on Christian Kirk, but also – are we ignoring Marvin Jones? So Marvin Jones right now, his ADP is at wide receiver 76. I haven't wide receiver 67, so I'm still low on him too, but I feel like he's a guy who always gets kind of left behind. Should we be forgetting about him? Probably not, and I, I'm probably guilty of forgetting about – I haven't forgot about Marvin Jones for the last three years. I, I, like, I think that <laughs> his, his best days are, are behind him. Um, but I do see that he has stretches where he's kind of still you know, a veteran guy, a guy to look for, especially in the red zone. Um, so I think there could be weeks he has some value in the guy I'm drafting, though. Um, Christian Kirk, though, is a guy that if I have, you know, on my board that I think is draftable and a guy that I think could have receiver three uh, potential, um, I, if not even bottom line receiver two, because to Adam's point, I think you're going to see the volume. You're going to see offense is going to probably predicate. It's built kind of custom made for him. And when he played in Arizona, when he was the guy, when they had, you know, Hopkins was out, he had good stretches where he put up numbers. So the only thing I'm going to not come on is you're not going to see any touchdowns. You're not going to see any big plays, really. Um, so I think you're going to see the, the consistent floor. 
I think him and Robert Woods probably, probably by the end of the season will probably be sitting there neck and neck where they kind of finish. But I think there are two guys that are going to have very similar numbers. You're going to probably see a little bit over, you know, over that 1,100, 1,200 yards, maybe five, six touchdown range. And that's what you're kind of looking for. And now I just kind of wonder how consistent is that going to be? Adam, are you looking out for Alec Pierce? Are you going to take a flyer on him? Do you think it's worth taking a flyer on him with Matt Ryan coming to town? Do you think he's going to be that second receiver outside of Michael Pittman? I think he is, but I wouldn't take the flyer and redraft, at least not until the end of a draft. I love Alec Pierce. I've gushed over him a million times in all of the belly up shows. Uh, his skill set is one that I think he could become more of a wide receiver 1B in the near, near future, but I don't know if it's year one near future. Uh, I I could very well see him in the 600-yard range, uh, which obviously is not someone that you want on your fantasy radar. He could be used as just a uh, field stretcher to open up Hitman uh, quite a bit. Uh, I love his potential. He's someone that I love, love in Dynasty, so when we talk that, I'm all over him, but um, in redraft, I don't know if he's someone that I'm super, super excited about. Yeah, I'm with you. I like him. I do think he'll get significant playing time. But unless Matt Ryan comes out and shocks us with this, you know, sudden rejuvenated arm, I just don't think he's going to be all that effective. And his big games, if he has them, I don't think will be consistent enough to be able to ever be able to bank on him. Be cautious of. Chris, let me kick this one to you. Be cautious of LaVisca Chenault. There's starting to be some hype on him again. Oh, no, not again. He's in shape. He's explosive. Doug Peterson, we're going to use him all over the field. Right now, Chanel is sitting at ADP, wide receiver 87. I am higher. I have him at wide receiver 75. Just on the off chance that they try to use him in a somewhat Cordell Patterson type of way, especially while James Robinson is trying to work his way back, just on the off chance that it happens. But, Chris, why else should we be cautious of LaVisca Chanel? Well, because we've been here with his hype for the last three years about how he's going to do something at some point <laughs> that he never does. Um, every time he gets an opportunity, I mean, Jamal Agnew, a converted cornerback, beat him out last year. So just to kind of point that out. But having said all that, I'm with you, Dan, where there is a path to him having some fantasy value if they're to utilize him as that glorified running back. If Travis Etienne is to be as high as you are as a lock-in-man kind of guy and is the back, then maybe Schnell could be that third guy, the Cordell Patterson or that guy they kind of uses the gadget role a la Derrick and Sproles was for the Eagles back in the day. So I could see a path to possible production more so than, you know, I wanted to. But I do think overall this guy has little to no value, especially in redraft um, and say redraft leagues. And I think that overall you're just basically hoping that the Eagles utilize him in a different way and you're just basically looking at that backfield thinking if you get some touches, maybe you could do something. The last receiver I want to talk about. Be cautious of. Why should we be cautious of Paris Campbell, Adam? Uh, so remember when I talked earlier <laughs> about <laughs> about why Pittman having a deep threat that has any chance of being on the field for uh, a full season is a big thing? Uh, well, that's it, actually. Uh, Paris Campbell has had some flashes in the few games that he's played. Uh, there's no denying that, uh, notably uh, the Phillip Rivers year week one. However, he injured himself in like the first half, game two. Um, it's just uh, the injuries have gotten to this guy. And it's so sad because there's could be something there, uh, especially in a Frank Reich system. I I think he's actually really well built for that. But at the end of the day, I don't 
think it's going to happen with him. I, I mean, I, you've been burnt by him too many times at this point. It's like LaVisca Chenault, but worse, where you, if you've been on this guy, then you've been burnt by him every single time, and it's one extra year. All right, let's move into the tight ends, and we are going to start off with a lookout for... Lookout for... The entire division of tight ends. There are so many pros and cons to all four tight ends that we're talking about in the AFC South right now because there's such a mixed bag of what to be able to expect. So let's kick this thing off with Austin Hooper. Okay, ADP, tight end 32. I got him a tight end 23. He's a competent tight end in a Todd Downey system, which say what you want about Todd Downey. He usually tries to get the tight end the ball, especially in the red zone, especially if he has a competent one. And Ryan Tannehill likes to get the ball to the tight end in the red zone, especially if he has a competent one. So I got him a tight end 23. He's the highest ranked tight end I have in the AFC South. So that kind of tells you something right there. There has been reports about him getting a rapport along with Robert Woods with Tannehill early on. Is there any upside to Austin Hooper, Chris, that you might look out for in a maybe a DFS situation, a sleeper situation, a streaming oh, yeah. situation? Look. Okay. I'm not an Austin Hooper fan talent-wise. I think he's just a guy. I've been listening about how good this guy's going to be since he had an okay year in Atlanta a couple years ago. Having said all that, to your point, he is more talented than what they've had the last couple of years at the tight end position in Tennessee since New Smith moved on. Um, they do have a, a coordinator and a tight and a quarterback who like to throw to the tight ends. And so there is potential for him to finish in the top 25. But I feel like there is such a range of guys between that 15 to 25 that you could just basically flip a coin and any guy could finish there. He's not a guy I'm drafting and redraft. He's not a guy I'm making sure I could get my lineup. He's just one of those possible options amongst many possible options to tight end position. Look out for. Yeah, we're looking out for Evan Ingram. Now, this one gets a little bit more tricky. There are some pros in his situation where I think he could be a sleeper. He has the athletic ability, number one. He is on a pass, what's going to be a pass first offense. He's with a coach who is used to utilizing the tight ends quite a bit. But then, of course, then you have the injury history. You have the fact that he's underachieved, the fact that he really hasn't been that fantasy relevant since his rookie season. Adam, when you see Evan Ingram, is he on your radar or no? To an extent. Um, I, I think there's a possibility. It's kind of interesting, just the situation where there's not. Uh, some other than Kirk, I guess there's not some crazy standout as far as an offensive weapon. Uh, so if, if Lawrence is as good as we all thought that he is, then at some point he's going to have that guy that, you know, he goes to on a, on a consistent basis and they, they build a rapport and I don't think it's going to be Ingram, but I'm not necessarily going to rule it out because at some point it should happen. And, I don't see any obvious options for that <laughs> at this point. Uh, so why can't he be the guy? Again, I'm not going to go ahead and predict that, but it's worth a flyer if you punt on the position um, to take him as your second tight end, for instance, second or third tight end if you punt on the position. Uh, I don't hate that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to draft him. His ADP right now is at tight end 24. I only have him, or sorry, at tight end 23. I actually have him ranked at tight end 24 for now. I think there's some things to keep your eye out on, but ultimately, I don't think you have to draft him in a 12-man redraft typical league that you're going to be going into this, this summer. Look out for... All right, Chris, this is your time. This is your time. Brevin Jordan, somebody we've always argued about. By the way, another one I won, Tommy Tremble, better than Brevin Jordan last year. Anyway, so... 
Tommy Chappelle did nothing either, so neither one did nothing. <laughs> it was still a little better. It was a little less crappy than a little Brandon less Gordon nothing. <laughs> a little less nothing. We just talked about Brandon Cooks. There's really no other targets to go to. Could it be Brevin Jordan now that he's penciled in to be the starter this season? Yeah, I mean, he could do a little something. Of all the tight ends that we're talking about right now, I think Evan Ingram definitely has the highest upside and the guy that I would take a flyer on. I really like the upside, the the, fit, the talent. Brevin George is a guy. Um, I'm, I love the U, but Brevin George is a guy that can make some easy catches. He can maybe get you three or four catches, but he's not going to be a game changer. So I'm not the guy I'm necessarily looking at fantasy or targeting too high. Um, I think it's a guy you're kind of waiting for down, as you kind of talked about, you know, where are the targets really going to go? Um, this offense is going to be a hot, they're explosive. So he's going to be a guy that could probably get you three or four catches per week, but that's not going to be necessarily to move radar in any kind of league. So Brevin George is not really on my fantasy watch list at all. And not on mine either. I got him ranked at tight end 29. His ADP is also at tight end 29. Look out for our last but not least, Morley Cox. Morley Cox, I actually think of all these tight ends, has the most upside. The problem is. Frank Reich doesn't believe in playing just one tight end. He uses tight ends like they're running backs. Like there's some reason there needs to be a committee, a platoon of some situation. I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to Adam. There's always been a tight end by committee. Last season, target share, 43% Molly Cox, 42% Jack Doyle, and then sprinkled in Kyle Granson at 15%. What are you looking at, Adam? How is this tight end situation going to break down this season? How are we going to be disappointed by the monster that could be Mo Alley Cox this time around? Yeah, I mean, I love the talent with Mo Ali Cox. I really do. But to your point, I just don't know if it's going to be a one tight end show uh, with them. I think it's going to be probably the highest percent target share that he'll he has had in his career and probably will have in his career if he stays in Indy, to be honest with you. Because um, I don't see Granson making much of a jump. Obviously, Doyle is retired. Um, Woods, I, I think, will perhaps get some red zone. Otherwise, I think he's just going to be red zone and blocking year one while he, he uh, learns to, you know, catch and run routes a little bit more. Um, so for me, I, could, you could see him around 60% maybe. Like that's m- maybe where you could see him at. Uh, I don't know if that really provides much value, but I think he's a really good player. So it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. The guy I'm, I think has the most upside of the group is the guy I have rated the least out of all four of the tight ends, that's tight end 31 because of that reason. Guys, we're going to we're gonna leave off the show there. Next week, we'll be back, same time, same place. Steffi Smalls is going to be able to join us hopefully next week. We're going to be talking about the NFC North, switching gears there. That'll be an interesting division to get into with her. But Adam, what do you have going on? What do you got coming up, man? Yeah, I mean, come check Chris and I out uh, if you're a fan of this show. Uh, then you'll definitely be a fan of our Tuesday show every other Tuesday. We just had this past Tuesday, so you're going to have to wait a little bit to catch us. Catch us, But uh, we're doing some fun things on Tuesdays, 8.30. Uh, most of the same places you're watching this, especially today, uh, with, with you guys not being on Belly Up TV. So pretty much the same places. So just come check us out Tuesday, 8.30. Love it, love it. Guys, we're going to be there, Canton, Ohio, August 12th through the 14th at the Fantasy Football Expo. If you're around that day, please come check it out. But I think the three of us especially are going to find some time to stream and kind of give you guys a little updates about what's going on and kind of talk about some of the interesting discussions that we had. So we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on YouTube and follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. See you guys then. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 